Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ronald Brookins, and I'm here with my co-host, Donald Brookins. Welcome to America's Community Voices Network. This is our first program of the year. And we have with us today two very special guests. We have the Supervisor of Elections, Mr. Craig Latimer. Hello, Mr. Latimer. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm okay, sir. And we also have with us the President of A. Brown Ministries, Mr. Robert P. Blunt III. Hello, Mr. Blunt. Mr. Blunt, are you there? Okay, he was on a few seconds ago, so hopefully he'll join us again. All right, our program today is going to focus on uh, Florida Amendment 4 and the restoration of ex-convicts voting rights in the state of Florida. As we all know, last year was a, a year of change uh, during the uh, midterm elections uh, for, for, uh, for 2018. Uh, we saw a lot of change in Congress at the national level, and a lot of new people were elected. And in the state of Florida, we saw some change in which voting rights were restored to people who had not enjoyed voting rights uh, uh, over the past few years. Uh, so today we're going to discuss that with uh, our, our excellent uh, supervisor of elections uh, in terms of ex-convicts, but we're also going to discuss, we have Mr. Uh, Mr. Bunn here with us today because of the work that he does uh, uh, with the prison community and ex-convicts uh, once they leave the prisons. And uh, we're going to discuss how to get the information out to, to ex-convicts and their families and how to raise voter awareness and how to increase uh, access to voter registration for this community. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to my brother, my co-host, Donald Brookins. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's get started. Uh, let's talk about Amendment 4. Amendment 4, uh, uh, it's called the Voting Rights Restoration Amendment, uh, and it restores the voting rights of Floridians with felony convictions after they complete all terms of their sentence which includes parole or probation. Now, this amendment does not apply to those convicted of murder or sexual offenses. And what that actually means is uh, effective January 8, 2019, uh, convicted felons who are in compliance with the amendment and who have uh, uh, completed all terms of their sentence, including parole and probation, and were not convicted of murder or sexual offenses, would be eligible to vote. So eligible to register to vote. Yes. So, so my my first question for the supervisor of elections is, uh, uh, you've begun registering people effective uh, January eighth. How's it going? Well, it's going great. On uh, January the eighth, we actually had about 450 voter registration applications uh, that were filed with our office. You know, there's several ways to do that. Of course, uh, we have people that'll walk into our office and fill out a paper registration application. Um, we have a lot of people, though, that can do it online now and, and do it online. Uh, anybody can go to our website at votehillsburg.org, and they'll find a button right there to register to vote, and they can go through the registration application right online. Now, to do that, you're required to have a Florida driver's license or a Florida ID card, and the last four of your Social Security number is also required so that they can make a match and know exactly who it is that they're registering. So we did see a lot of uh, activity on the 8th. Uh, we're still seeing it. 
Um, so far, we've uh, registered about uh, 1,750 people in, for this month of January to date. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Ms. Blunt, uh, what type of interest have you, hey, hey, what type of interest has been shown through your organization from ex-convicts uh, wanting, uh, wanting to get more information on registering the vote? Hello, Mr. Blunt, are you there? Well, we seem to have lost Mr. Blunt. Lost. Uh, so if I can if I can jump in on that, um, we've got a great uh, uh, frequently asked questions on our website, and it's very useful. We've got actually three different um, uh, places that, that people can go to if they're unsure if they've completed all of the terms of their sentence. And one of those is with the sponsor of this uh, amendment, and that's the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition that was heavily involved with it. Um, and I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things that, that we're seeing right now is that if somebody's unsure, then they need to take that extra step. Don't put themselves in a bad situation by signing that application because you're signing an oath um, if you're not sure that you've completed all of the terms of your sentence. But, you know, I think a lot of what we're seeing, and we're seeing it statewide too, there was over 10,000 people that had applications in with the Florida Clemency Board. Now, that application would have been thrown out if there were still conditions of their sentence that hadn't been met. So there's a lot of people out there, and, and I think that, that most people will know whether or not they have met the conditions of their sentence. Well, and speaking of that, uh, after the election was completed, uh, uh, the, the state legislatures and, and the governor talked about that you could, didn't think that you could properly implement uh, this amendment because there is some work that still needed to be done. Uh, I would think, sir, that that was already in place, that you already had a procedure for who's eligible and who's ineligible, and as long as you followed that procedure, then you you were going to capture those people who were in, ineligible, and there there was nothing else needed to be done. But they mentioned something about accountability, that that's their portion of it. Can you explain what that means? Well, I, I'm, I can't necessarily explain that, but let me explain what takes place prior to January the 8th. Prior okay. to January the 8th, the, the state division of elections um, very routinely would match the voter rolls from the state against records with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and the Florida Crime Information Center. And that's how they would ascertain if somebody was, in fact, a convicted felon and they were on the registration rolls. And then they would then go and pull that conviction from the county, whatever county it was in, to assure that there was an ab absolute adjudication of guilt uh, that was rendered on that individual. They would then notify us, and we would begin a process where we would reach out and try and contact this voter to see if they had further information that they could furnish us. Uh, and if they couldn't furnish further information that showed that they you know, weren't cleared of that, then we would begin the process to make them ineligible to vote. So there's already a process in place with the state where they're looking at these convictions. Uh, in my mind, they just need to go one step further since they're already pulling the clerk's information and see whether or not that person has met the conditions of their sentence. So, you know, there's we're going to continue to see this. I mean, there's people that are convicted every day throughout the entire state people are convicted of a felony. So we're going to continue to see that, but there should be a tremendous backlog of people that were convicted of felonies and have met all the conditions of their sentence 
and they would fit right into this category to be able to register to vote. Mr. Blunt, are you with us again? I, I hope so. I I was there from the beginning. I think I can hear you. I'm not sure if you can hear me. Yes, we can. We can hear you very well. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, listen, so I, your I, I, question was what kind of enthusiasm that we were having among um, sort of our our clients here, and that enthusiasm is great. I think that the um, for the most part, this population believes that this is a huge step uh, in the right direction. Um, hopefully, it is the beginning of um, many more discussions to come because this really addresses one piece of sort of this uh, cloud that's been lingering over the state of Florida when it comes to um, restoration of rights for formerly incarcerated individuals. It addresses the voting piece, um, but obviously it does not address the full civil rights restoration. So for this, you know, I really think it's a step in the right direction. It's beginning to provide some dignity, um, helping this population feel uh, more a part of the process, more a part of community and society, and I think they um, that this population certainly hopes that uh, you know there will be some future steps taken here as well. And sir, are you set up as a voter registration agency? Can can uh, uh, the people that uh, come to you for your services can they register to vote there also? We are not set up as a voter registration site, um, but we certainly uh, have information here um, in that regard and also have access to um, our computer lab here to help facilitate that process. Okay. So, so they can do it online, just using your computer lab. Correct. Sure. Terrific. So, uh, Supervisor, uh, once they're, they've been registered to vote, what happens after then? What, what, uh, I would imagine that, that they should receive something in the mail, like a voter registration card or something like that. That is correct. They should, uh, about two to three weeks after the registration takes place, they should get a voter information card from my office or from any supervisor's office, whatever county they register in. And if they don't have one after two or three weeks, they should pick up the phone or contact the office somehow and see what's going on. Um, it should happen, though. So, Mr. Burke, as you asked a question earlier, um, if, if I may just kind of take a step back, um, regarding the implementation of, of this amendment, and my understanding is that um, the incoming administration has um, taken the position that the state isn't going to do anything in this regard until the Florida legislature approves an implementation plan. Um, Mr. Latimer, is that your understanding as well? I, I can tell you that the brand-new Secretary of State, uh, Mr. Mike Urtel, who's the former Seminole County Supervisor of Elections, sent out a statewide email on January the 8th and said, it's business as usual, you should accept all applications. So in other words, the, the, the law is in effect. Correct? Absolutely. That law went into effect um, on January the 8th in the amendment. Uh, and the amendment is pretty clear. I think that, uh, you know, people that have, uh, that have completed the conditions of their sentence are more than eligible to register to vote. Uh, you know, I think the question is, again, and, and I talked about this briefly, if people that aren't sure, then they need to check and find out. Um, if there's outstanding fines they haven't paid, uh, most of the time you're still on probation. 
uh, so they wouldn't have, uh, you know, met those conditions yet. Um, and they, they can work towards those. Uh, but the people that have met the conditions of their sentence, um, they are more than, than eligible to register to vote. But, but, but if I could uh, follow up on what Mr. Blunt was asking, I think from a process point of view, uh, every single county has a supervisor of elections, and each supervisor of election is the person responsible for, uh, for registering voters, their office. And so I, I'm trying to figure out why anyone at the state level, be it the governor or, or the state legislature, believes that there needs to be any extra steps taken when everything has been in place for anyone wishing uh, uh, to register to vote, whether they be ex-convicts or not. And the only caveat for the ex-convicts is you meet certain requirements. And once you once you register to vote, did you attest to the fact that everything that you put on that application is true? Yeah, and, and so and my, that's sorry, why I kind of walked you through the steps of what the state has been doing. Um, and looking at the voter rolls, and I don't think that it's but one more step they need to take to look and see if the person has met the conditions of their sentence. I mean, they're already individually looking at each one of these felony convictions to make sure that there was an adjudication of guilt. So mm -hmm. I don't know where the legislature um, is looking to think they need to have something to implement it because the Division of Elections is already performing a service. And, and I agree with you, Mr. Latimer. Um, my understanding is that, that the clause in this amendment, um, all terms of their sentence, I think um, the legislature is, I guess, part of, of what they are, are going to look at here uh, during the session um, is, you know, all terms, including not only the time served, but as you said, restitution, et cetera. Um, if restitution perhaps um, has been negotiated and transferred to some kind of civil lien, does that qualify? And then who who certifies that an individual has completed all terms um, of of their sentence? I think that's where the question marks are. Um, I don't necessarily understand why we would have those those question marks. Um, for for two reasons, one, it's not so long ago that uh, then Governor Charlie Chris had a process where, um, you know, it was automatic restoration, uh, which automatic really wasn't so automatic. I think you referred to the backlog of thousands on a waiting list. Um, so if I have to wait, you know, five to ten years, um, it's not so automatic. But apparently there was some type of process, a footprint, perhaps to build upon. To, to make sure that we can we can certify that all terms of their sentence have have been completed, and then the second you know kind of I guess question that I have primarily for the the legislature is Florida is the last of or one of the last of four states to restore the rights of formerly incarcerated individuals. So apparently you know there are dozens of other states who figured this out. So there should be some best practices out there as well. I agree it should with you take a whole legislative session to figure this out, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, um, you know, my knowledge is that if you haven't completed all the conditions of your sentence, you're still going to be under the jurisdiction of the court. Um, and, and that's why I hold that, you know, people should be fully aware whether or not they've met those conditions. I think there will be some questions, as you brought up. Um, I've heard the same one about, you know, well, what if this was transferred to a civil lien? 
um, to, uh, instead of where it was. Well, if it's civil, then it's not criminal anymore. Correct. Um, if it's not criminal, then, you know, what are we talking about? But I'm sure we're going to have some court challenges and we'll have uh, some some better interpretation of this moving forward. But I think that this is an absolute wonderful uh, first start to be able to restore these rights to the people that are, are sitting there that, that know full well that they've met the conditions of their sentence. I can tell you anecdotally that I had individuals coming into my office with all of their paperwork to be able to prove that they had completed all the conditions of their sentence. And, of course, I didn't ask for that paperwork, and I didn't want to see that paperwork because people come in and they're the ones that are making that oath and swearing to it. I don't need to further check something for them. So, Supervisor, as of today, uh, everything is in place for this process to work and work work smoothly for for those people who want to be uh, registered to vote and participate in the voting process. Absolutely. And, you know, there may be a question down the road. I might get notified by the state that they're not clear whether this person's met their conditions, and we're going to communicate with that person, and they're going to have the opportunity to bring in any you know proof, paperwork, anything else that they have uh, to show that they've done that. But, uh, so there are again, checks and balances there. there. I'm sorry? There are checks and balances in there? Absolutely. And this built into the system? Yeah, there, there will be. I mean, there, there's already checks and balances to see – uh, previously, like I said, prior to January 8th, to make sure that somebody that had been adjudicated guilty of a felony was not able to vote. Now there's going to be, you know, one more check in place to make sure that somebody that was adjudicated of a felony has completed all the conditions of their sentence and now they're eligible to vote. Sir, I have a question because we have an election that's coming up in March, I think, uh, for the city of Tampa. Uh, we're going to elect a new mayor and new uh, uh, city council people. Uh, what is the deadline for these uh, new people to register to vote? Right. So to vote in the city of Tampa election, which the municipal election is March 5th, you must be registered by February the 4th. So that would be the deadline, the registration deadline for the city of Tampa election is February 4th. Now, there will also be a runoff election, most probably, because in this municipal election, if somebody does not get 50% plus one, then the top two vote-getters will go to a runoff, where when there's only two of them, then somebody will get 50% plus one. And that date of that election is April 23rd, and the last day to register would be March 25th. Now, let me, let, let's go further. Let's say that from, I'm looking at your, your, your excellent fact sheet here. You know, this is a good question. Um, say that I was removed from the voter rolls due to a felony conviction, uh, will I automatically be re-registered, well, or what do I need to do? No, you will need to re-register. And if you have any, any doubt about it at all, re-register. Um, you know, we're, we're going to note it, it's a duplicate registration, but you, you, we want to make sure you're registered. So, yes, if you were previously removed, put in an ineligible status because of the adjudication of the guilt on a felony charge, but now you've met all the conditions of your sentence, you must re-register. And again, you can do that very simply online. You know, you can go to a library, use their computers, anywhere you have access to a computer. You can go to the website of the county in Hillsborough County. It's votehillsborough.org, and you can register to vote online. Let me ask another question. Uh, is, do you guys, and this is for both of you, uh, 
do you think there's a need for further outreach uh, as far as voter education is uh, is concerned for the for these felons, these ex felons? Do we need to provide that sort of information? Well, I, you know, we our office does a tremendous amount of outreach. Um, we've actually got uh, numerous events coming up uh, in the next uh, little bit here over the Martin Luther King. Uh, um, holiday that, that's coming up. Uh, we've got the Tampa Bay Black Heritage Festival this weekend, the MLK Parades in Plant City in Tampa, the Toba Leadership Breakfast on Monday, and the MLK Festival of Belmont Heights Little League on Monday, and the Greater Bethel Church Outreach Event on January 26th. I will have people at every one of those events, and we'll be there available to register people to vote. That's really good news. And Mr. Blood, what about you? Because you're an, you're an advocate for for this 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 constituency. Do you offer that also? Yes, and I think that um, there is communication and education that is you know needed. I think um, a lot of the events um, that have already been mentioned are critical events to help get the word out. I also think it you know it's going to be an ongoing process. The beauty of this is is all voter registration drives now will apply to to this population as well where they were excluded before because it really wasn't applicable any voter registration effort um whether it's amendment for specific or not um will be applicable to this population so now it's more of a all-inclusive process and that type of communication um you know is ongoing the events are great i think there's probably some electronical electronic uh digital um, type of e-blast and, and communications um, that would would be appropriate here um, as well to educate this population. All right, Ronald, do you have any questions? Um, I do have a question about uh, uh, as we move forward towards the elections. Uh, what's the next election that comes in, in, in the cycle, sir, after the uh, city elections in Tampa? Well, we'll know on February 14th if we'll have a Plant City election or not, and if so, that'll be in April. Uh, so aside from the municipal elections coming up, the next election and the next cycle for us is going to be in 2020, and that's a oh, big year. Wow. It's a presidential year. We'll have the presidential preference primary, which will be somewhere around March, and then we'll have our regular primary for all the other candidates will be in August, and then the actual general election will be in November. So there's three major elections that we'll have in 2020, and uh, plenty of time, as uh, uh, Mr. Blunt talked about, you know, doing this outreach, getting the word out, making sure that everybody is inclusive and knows that uh, they do have the right to register to vote if they meet the requirements of Amendment 4. I, I have a question, and I'm not sure if it's a, a fair question, um, but I'm just curious um, – Mr. Latimer, you mentioned, you know, the process and did a wonderful job of, of um, laying out how the registration occurs and then the FDLE um, matches the registration roles um, with their data as well. Um, do you think that there will be additional manpower necessary to accommodate and process those types of matches um, because of the magnitude of individuals that, you know, we're we're talking about here? Well, i, I got to tell you, I, I don't really see that it would be additional. Um, the state already has people in place that 
were looking for people that had been adjudicated guilty of a felony. And when they found one of those individuals, they actually would go into the county clerk's records and they would pull those records and look at what the actual adjudication was to ensure that it was a, an adjudication of guilt and not a withhold adjudication. Or it might have been reduced to a misdemeanor. So they're, you know, they're already in there looking at these files. In my mind, this is just looking at one step further. Uh, and, and again, just like the state does now, they can send that information to whoever the county supervisor of elections office, and then we will reach out to those individuals, uh, which <clears throat> we found people before that it, they had paperwork that showed it, they weren't guilty of a felony. And the reason I ask that question is is because, you know, you, you spoke about the backlog, and a lot of the reason for that prior backlog was they just didn't have the sheer manpower to, to process um, all of those inquiries. So I was just trying to think proactively if um, perhaps uh, an investment in, in human capital to process uh, the number of registrations to, and to make those primarily to get make those matches um, if if there was additional human capital that you thought would be necessary to, to handle the numbers. Yeah, and that's two two different things we're talking about here. Right. The backlog the backlog I talked about was with the clemency board. I have no idea Correct. how many people they have working there. I do know that it was a slow process to get before the uh, cabinet. But I'm talking about the division of elections uh, for the process that they already have in place, personnel they already have in place, uh, the procedures they have where they're already um, comparing these files. And they do the same thing with the um, Florida Department of Health with the deceased files where they're looking mm -hmm. to see if, if someone's passed away and they're notifying us of that information too. So I think there's already a lot of processes and people in place with the state to be able to continue this pretty seamlessly. Gotcha. Thank you. And you're right, we're talking FDLE looking at the matches versus the clemency piece. So I guess one of the things, um, Dr. and Mr. Brookings, to, to just kind of keep a, an eye out is, you know, if there is some type of implementation plan where that resides, whether it resides with sort of an FDLE um, database or um, a clemency type situation and whether or not, you know, that is sufficiently staffed to handle the numbers um, that will be now, let, let me reviewed. clear that up a minute if I can. It's not FDLE looking at this. This is the procedure and the personnel with the Florida Division of Elections in Tallahassee that are comparing these files against the different files. So it's not the. Florida so they're just comparing them against FDLE's files. Correct. Yeah, I got it's electronic. Okay. It's done electronically. Thank you. Right. Okay. All right. Let me ask you, uh, uh, Supervisor. Once this person uh, has registered to vote, they've received their card, is there anything else that they need to be aware of? I'm looking at your excellent information sheet, and it's, it's saying it's saying that you're responsible to make sure that all the information is correct and updated. Yeah, so if someone uh, has registered and they received their voter information card, the next thing they need to do is vote. They need to find out if they live in the city when the election is. Um, you know, it should be if you live in the city right now, you're driving around. If you don't know there's an election, then you're driving with blinders on because there's signs on every 20 feet of uh, uh, street corners out there. Uh, so, you know, they just need to, to stay in touch, find out when elections are, 
uh, listen to what's going on. Again, they can always go on our website. We list all the upcoming elections and when they are. Uh, and then that's, like I said, the biggest thing is to go out and exercise that right and vote. And let me ask you one other question about there's various supervisors of elections. Are you guys on the same page? Do you have the same process and procedure, or, or, or is that different depending on the county that you, that you supervise? No, that's the same for every supervisor. You know, the, one of the things that, that we're all bound by is that everything we do is steeped in state statute or Florida administrative rule. Um, down to who goes first on the ballot. That's in state statute. Uh, so everything we do is pretty much outlined. There's not uh, the availability for supervisors to make up their own decisions on what they want to do. Mr. Supervisor, what if someone comes to Mr. Blunt and say that they try to register to vote and they run into certain problems and and they have some concerns? Uh, of course, he'll be able to forward them back to your office. Well, I know Mr. Blunt's not bashful. First off, he's going to find out what the situation is, and they're going to contact my office and see what needs to be done. Um, you know, we, we're here to make sure that every citizen that's eligible to register, in fact, gets registered, and then we want to encourage every one of them to vote. So we, we don't anticipate problems. We anticipate solutions. Terrific. And, Mr. Blunt, are you considering in the future becoming a voter registration Agency? I am. I would need some approval from our board. We actually um, have a board meeting coming up, and um, we'll, we'll we'll have that conversation. Oh, that's great. That's terrific. Hey, sir, Mr. Blunt, are you, I, I forwarded to you that fact sheet. Uh, are you? Do you have access to the copies of that fact sheet? Uh, I sure do. Okay, wonderful. I do. Wonderful. Hope you'll be able to distribute that to people who might need it. Yes, and we and we do, like I said, we do distribute information. Um, I mean, we have these conversations every every morning. We start our ready for work classes um, with current event discussions, and um, especially last fall, there was a lot of conversation, obviously, uh, around this amendment, and that conversation continues. So um, we get a lot of questions. Um, we share a lot of information. And again, we provide um, that online access uh, to our clients that are that are here physically. Okay. So before we end the program today, I want to give Mr. Bunn an opportunity to talk about A. Brown Ministries. He's a nonprofit organization. It's a legacy organization named after a very great man in our community. And uh, if you could, Mr. Bunn, talk about what you do at uh, at A. Brown Ministries. Well, here at A. Brown Ministries, um, we. We do we do a few things, all centered around families that have been broken as a result of incarceration. And so our objective is to uh, break the cycles of incarceration, whether those are generational cycles or um, simply recidivism for individuals going in and out of the system. So we go into the prisons, we share uh, the gospel inside the prisons, but we have to be able to complement that message of hope with tangible opportunities for people to live out their freedom uh, in society. And so we do that um, in a couple of ways. One is uh, through our transitional housing, uh, which is a huge challenge for this population. Um, and so we provide um, transitional housing for up to a year uh, for men primarily um, who are coming out of prison here. And then we have other transitional housing partners in the community um, who assist us in providing that same housing for uh, women and 
uh, those clients that we can't serve directly. In addition to that, we have a nationally recognized program called Ready for Work Hillsboro um, that is a replication of Operation New Hope's uh, Ready for Work program out of Jacksonville. And through our licensure agreement, we follow their model uh, to provide uh, case management, uh, career development, um, instruction, and employment services for uh, men and women who are returning back to the community after incarceration. And so our clients um, are are in class uh, for four to six weeks, learning life management skills, employability skills, and then we have an employment services arm um, who are out getting job orders so that we can match our clients um, to appropriate job opportunities and the case managers um, are providing those supportive uh, services to um, help our, our individuals, to our clients, to, to achieve their short-term and long-term goals and to stay on track. Hey, Mr. Blunt, for anyone who wishes to either make a donation to your organization, to volunteer for your organization, or to gain access to your organization for, any, for, for guidance and counseling, how can they reach you? Um, our website is uh, www dot abe brown a b e b r o w n dot org um they can call our office um at eight one three two four seven three two eight five um and someone will be able to assist them there as well so again our website is w w w dot abe brown dot o r g and our phone number is eight one three two four seven three two eight five and so mr supervisor i know there are certain things that your office does besides coordinate elections. I understand, don't you have some type of scholarship program or intern program? Uh, there is a scholarship program. It's actually uh, through our Florida State Association of Supervisor of Elections, and we post that information routinely on our website. Um, we currently don't do an intern program, and it's because of uh, our staff. I've only got 45 full-time employees. As we get close to an election, though, we bring on, of course, about 3,000 poll workers, and there's a lot going on at that point. Uh, so we don't run any intern programs. Okay, and sir, I see here on your on this. This is an excellent fact sheet here. Uh, if you want to uh, reach the supervisor of elections online, there's a an email. Uh, there, there's a, a website called votehillsboro.org. There's also a telephone number eight one three seven four four five nine zero zero. And also on the website, there's uh, availability to uh, click, and you'll automatically be linked with a, an email uh, to our office, too. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, gentlemen, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time coming on and, and speaking to us and speaking to our listeners. We appreciate you being here with us today, and we, we hope to talk to you soon again. We're going to be following up on this subject. As a matter of fact, I'm looking in the future to do a program with some of the ex-convicts who have had their voting rights restored and found out what it was like to vote for the first time in many years. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having us. Okay. Goodbye. Our program is over for today. We look forward to you joining us again on America's Community Voices Network on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Ronald Brookins. My brother's name is Donald Brookins, and we are the Brookins Twins. So long, everybody. Goodbye.